0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Any Given You podcast. As always, I'm your host, Michael Megan. We have an awesome show for you today, but before we get into that, first off, I'd like to wish everybody a very happy holiday season, and I'd like to remind y'all that if you're enjoying the content, please do us a favor and make sure to give us a rating and review, and if you've already done that, be sure to tell your friends about the podcast available on all major podcast platforms and to follow us on social media, at any given you is our Instagram handle. Hit the link tree to get access to everything, any given you, including our Facebook page and group. I am on the road down here in sunny, beautiful Palm Coast, Florida, and I can think of no better way to spend Thanksgiving week in somewhere that's not the bitter cold frozen tundra. It's about 65 degrees down here. I'm looking out of my hotel window and I just see the beautiful Atlantic Ocean staring me here in the face. We've got green uh, golf courses out there, children running around playing. It's just, it's a wonderful setting. I'm here alone. My kids are down at the beach with my wife. They've given me this block of time to go ahead and record this episode. And we are going to do just that for you. So happy holiday season to you again. And I hope you're safe wherever you're at. I cannot believe I'm saying this. The 2021 regular season is coming to an end. It really seems as if it was gone in a flash, and yet at the same time, it feels like forever since Clemson lost in Charlotte to Georgia, Wisconsin was dead on arrival and would be completely irrelevant in the Big Ten, Auburn was hot stuff, folks were laying bets on Iowa State winning the Big 12, and North Carolina was the national championship sleeper on everybody's list goes to show it's a long season and things that happen in September more often than not do not have much to do with November. Clemson is still in the hunt for the ACC championship. Wisconsin is going to play for the Big Ten. Auburn went from hot stuff to hot garbage. Iowa State never got off the runway. And North Carolina, well, yeah, The usual killers are circling the playoff, as we have Georgia, Ohio State, and Alabama all in the mix. Oklahoma is still not out of the picture yet, nor is Notre Dame. And player four has entered the game, as Group of Five King Cincinnati is hoping to shock the world. It's been a huge season for our little podcast. We have over 700 strong on our Any Given You Facebook group. We've surpassed 50 episodes since starting this in January. We have over 2,000 total plays, and we're even international, with 2% of our listenership coming from the places like the United Kingdom, Ireland, South Korea, Puerto Rico, Spain, Germany, and even India, just to name a few. So, thanks to the U crew for all of your support, foreign and domestic. We have plans and hopes and dreams for this show as we want to continue to grow our base, our community, our listenership, and to one day do something really special and positive and make a real impact through this podcast. So I cannot thank you enough. Week 12 was a great bounce back week after going sub 500 the week prior to that. We got off on a great start as we unleashed the single largest sprinkle of picks and best bets that we've done all season. And I've got the receipts to prove it. I post every slate of picks and predictions on my Facebook group. So you've got to get over there and get down on these picks as our season percentage is still hitting at 69% accuracy when calling winners. And there is no one out there. I've looked. I've looked, folks. There is no one out there that hits winners the way that we do. None. Period. We went a ridiculous 15-4 15-4 and four on outright winners, 8-6 and six on spreads, overs, and unders. Now we're going to review some of those picks from our most successful week of the season, as well as do a little bit of preview and prediction in the exciting slate of games for this rivalry weekend. First off from last week, I want to talk about Alabama versus Arkansas. We liked Arkansas to cover, and they did. We like Arkansas's physical play in the trenches to give Alabama problems. That's where we were going with this pick, as Alabama has demonstrated against opponents like Florida, Texas A&M, and LSU, that they can be pushed around in the trenches. And lo and behold, it happened again. Arkansas came out and was able to establish a decent run game. K.J. Jefferson also had a very good day throwing the ball. As they were able to move the ball on this Crimson Tide defense—it's just—it's shown that it is not the, the the caliber of defense that you're used to seeing out of Alabama from previous years. Bryce Young is a different quarterback when he's pressured, and Arkansas was able to get pressure with three because, again, their ability to affect trench play, uh, and and it's something that has shown up again and again. He rushes when there is no escape route, and what I mean by that is. A lot of times you'll see Bryce Young tuck the ball down, take off on a little scramble, make some magic or whatever. But if you are able to place sound da- uh, gap discipline on defense, keep him in the pocket and bring a little bit of pressure on him. He's very inaccurate, and we saw him miss uh, uh, quite a few throws when when pressure was obvious and in his face. So um, We liked Arkansas to cover in this one, and they did, as Alabama did get the win 42-35, to 35 but was unable to pull away. Alabama's defensive front is becoming a real cause for concern. And it seems like they're almost relying on Will Anderson to provide splash plays. And that's sort of like relying on your tax return to be part of your salary. Uh, You know, it's, it's not a good fiscal plan. It's not a good sound financial plan when you are relying on one or two guys to come up with some splash plays to get your defense off the field. If he's schemed against and he's schemed against properly and out of a game, the Tide could have a real nightmare on their hands, especially looming with the contest that they have in Atlanta with the Georgia Bulldogs coming up after this week. Ohio State versus Michigan State. We like the Bucs to win. Uh, We thought we'd see a better game from Sparty. I wish I had known the extent of the key personnel out for Michigan State prior to kickoff. Michigan State was simply outmatched and played easily the worst 60 minutes of football they've played all year. It was predicated on utter dysfunction in the opening minutes as they turned the ball over, in addition to letting the Buckeyes do whatever they wanted to do offensively. Ohio State executed beautifully on defense, Understanding that the key to derailing Michigan State begins with shutting down Kenneth Walker III, which they did. They bottled him up on the day and did a very good job doing that. I don't think Kenneth Walker was 100% either. Some players that did actually play were even dinged up a little bit. As you see, Michigan State, albeit a, a, a team in flux, a team in transition, a team heading in the right direction, still doesn't have any sort of solid depth that's been built over time. This is very much a patchwork job in year two by Mel Tucker, and they've kind of punched above their weight class all year, but you saw what happened when the chips are down against one of the real elites in college football. Now, to me, this was a perfect storm that saw Ohio State playing their best ball simultaneously with Michigan State playing their worst football, as we kind of alluded to. And although this victory is very impressive, It should be taken with with pride, but it also should be taken in stride. I don't think it's a prediction, a really good predictor of what's waiting in Ann Arbor uh, this weekend. We'll have more on that later as we lean towards our previews and predictions. Cincinnati versus SMU from last week, we called this one, and we got another twofer. We liked the Bearcats big. We took the over for that reason. Uh, because Cincinnati gets up for these kinds of games. This was an AAC opponent with a winning record and hype coming into this matchup. It's the perceived uh, bottom feeders of the conference that actually give Cincinnati issues, but when another quote-unquote alpha in the conference steps up, Cincinnati usually has a way of responding and getting up for those games. They blew out UCF, uh, they beat Notre Dame in their in their non-con. Uh, that was you know another apex predator showing up. And their other Power 5 matchup on the road. At the time, not a completely horrendous uh, Indiana team early in the season. They found a way to get up and win that game big as well. So they do get up for these big moment kind of games. This week, they're on the road at East Carolina. And if you're a longtime listener, like since January... <laughs> Right? long time. You've heard me allude to the Pirates and their blood feud with Cincinnati dating back to the embarrassment they suffered against them last year. Tonight on uh well, should be nationally televised game in Dowdy-Ficklin Stadium, expect a capacity crowd to cheer the Pirates in their mission to play spoiler to the Bearcats. The line in this game currently sits at... Minus 14 in favor of Cincinnati. I really think that they are in for a serious fight. Maybe the fight of their lives on this year from the seven and four pirates who are looking to regain their honor. And I will absolutely be tuned into this one. Wake versus Clemson. We swung and missed on this pick as we didn't have enough respect for the beleaguered Tigers and what they've managed down the stretch. It hasn't been pretty. But Clemson is still the vastly superior team in terms of talent and honestly still fields one of the better defensive units in all of college football. That was on display as they dismantled the Cinderella squad from Winston-Salem. We should have seen this coming, honestly. But hats off to Wake. In no way, shape, or form are they overrated, okay? They're not. They've overachieved regardless of how the rest of the season goes. They're one of the best stories in college football. But again, it goes to show that great schemes and great coaching is still second fiddle to elite recruiting, and especially elite recruits that now feel there is something to play for down the stretch, and they're working hard there in Clemson. So different team than what we saw weeks ago. Oregon versus Utah. Remember back several episodes ago, if you are a a long time listener, when Oregon had been upset by Stanford, I alluded to something then. I said it would rear its ugly head again, by the way. You can run at Oregon. They are hard to run from because of the speed on the defense, but you can run at them. The way the Oregon defense is set up is perfectly suited shutting down the likes of Southern Cal, Ohio State, Clemson, even Alabama, these more RPO spread concept type teams. But teams that still play big boy in your face power run schemes can have success against these modern defenses that have sacrificed size for speed. There was an inevitable trade-off that had to happen there and it did for Oregon. Utah did just that, by the way. And guess what, folks? From what I witnessed on tape, if these two rematch for the Pac-12 crown, it's going to happen again. There are things that happened in that game that are not fixable at this point. Utah's switch at quarterback has only made their offensive attack more balanced and potent, and when all else fails... They still have the trump card of pounding it in your face with a double tight end set and a 230 pound running back on defense. They're led by one of the finest linebackers in the country and at home their play elevates to a whole new level. I called this one from five miles out and barring Utah laying a complete egg. They will be the Pac-12 champs in my opinion. And speaking of eggs, the Egg Bowl was played last night. As Ole Miss and Mississippi State squared off, and against my better judgment, I rolled with the Bulldogs to get it done at home. As we've seen this team show flashes of being pretty good, but again, they showed their true nature. And what's their true nature? Their true nature is they are prone to a self-destruct. There is a self-destruct switch that Mississippi State likes to flip every couple of games or every other game, or you know what, honestly, about every game, they've even won in spite of having it in self-destruction mode. Make no mistake, folks, Mississippi State handed Ole Miss that game with a complete lack of execution and total red zone dysfunction. Mississippi State had three red zone possessions, produced zero points as they pissed away any opportunity to win and we all watched Lane Kiffen throw girl punches against air as Ole Miss found the end zone multiple times in the second half. I'm avoiding Mississippi State like the plague from here on out until I can see more consistency from the squad, and I'm just nauseous I even took him in the first place. How do you like that, Thomas Fowler? That's my cousin. He's a Mississippi State fan. Okay, people, here we go. Rivalry week picks as we look forward to the climax of the regular season dreams will be made and crushed this weekend as y'all pick at your turkey leftovers so let's get into it alabama versus auburn in the iron bowl alabama is a team that hasn't looked like the dominant former versions of themselves mainly it's been a lack of physical play from their offensive line and front seven i can't beat that dead horse enough because it's gonna have serious implications in atlanta they have also shown a tendency to underperform in their secondary. Depth at running back has been an issue with all the injuries. And Bryce Young, for all the gaudy numbers and athletic plays, has looked suspect at times, particularly when pressured. This is a down year for the Tide. They are also susceptible, like any team in the game, to losing some prowess when you consider all the top flight talent that they lost from 2020. Okay, they're, they're human too. All that said, their down year still has them at 10 and 1 and a lock for the SEC Championship game. Now Auburn is a team in disarray right now with Bo Nix out and a string of lackluster performances and a divided fan base on the head coach and quarterback situation. And I'm telling you, none of that matters this weekend. Nothing will codify a team like a hated rival in Alabama, especially for the seniors at Auburn. Alabama is favored by 20 and a half points. I have a hard time seeing them cover this spread in this game. Jordan Hare is still going to be an electric atmosphere, no matter what, I don't see an overwhelming advantage for Alabama in the trenches. I expect to see Auburn come out ground and pound in an attempt to keep Alabama's offense on the sidelines and keep this thing close going into the fourth quarter. But at the end of the day, Alabama's roster is still too talented to be denied. And if I'm picking a coaching battle between Nick Saban and Brian Harson, There's no question. Come on. Give us the tide. Auburn covers. North Carolina versus NC State. UNC has been disappointing this year too many. When I think of them, I'm reminded of how disappointed I am in myself that I listened to the hype and didn't account for all that serious talent that they lost from the 2020 team. NC State is a team that has done exactly what we thought they would do this year. We had them winning eight games. They've already done that, and they have a chance at nine. And an ACC championship uh, to boot, right? So Mack Brown has been historically successful against the Wolfpack in this series, but this year I think it goes the other way. NC State has so much more to play for and and they're at home. I feel much more comfortable taking NC State, for the more consistent product they put out, I know what I'm getting with these guys. North Carolina is still a team that is very unpredictable, and honestly, I should probably just lay off this game in general because of that. But the Pack at home, I think they'll get it done when uh, they, you know, when when it, when it's all said and done, and get that North Carolina monkey off their back. So give us the Pack. Washington State versus Washington in the Apple Cup. Who would have thought this year's Apple Cup would be played with both head coaches fired prior to the game? But here we are. This game has no real bearing in terms of national title implications or even Pac-12 implications for that matter. But regionally, it could be the difference in future recruiting for two programs that have struggled in that department. Washington's offense is a complete mess. The locker room culture is in serious question, and the Huskies are 3-8 and eight against the spread. But as we said earlier, a hated rival has a way of drawing a team together, and the home atmosphere for the Huskies should still be pretty daunting. Now, for Washington State, there's been no perceived drop-off since Nick Rolovich was let go. Quarterback Matt Delara is the difference maker in this game, He's mobile enough to take Washington's defense out of their game plan, and I like Washington State to make a few more plays on offense to take the win in this contest, although ESPN disagrees. Georgia versus Georgia Tech in clean old-fashioned hate. Here comes an ass-whooping. I really think Kirby and the Dogs want to send a special message to the nation and Georgia Tech in particular that the Jackets aren't even close. And as long as Kirby is there and Georgia continues to play to a standard instead of a opponent, they never will be close. Remember, Georgia Tech beat Kirby Smart in Athens in 2016. They tore up the hedges. They made a huge display of flaunting that victory in the face of Georgia. Kirby was quoted as saying, never again will that happen. Now I think a lot of folks were under the impression he meant losing to an opponent at home and allowing them to disrespect Sanford stadium like that. I think not only did he mean that I think he also quite literally meant Georgia tech will never beat him and Georgia while he is there again. (laughs) Since 2016, Georgia has crushed Georgia tech outscoring them 135 to 35 over three contests There's been talk of Georgia hitting cruise control in this one and pulling starters super early. Even if that happens, even if that was the case, the twos and threes for Georgia are still going to look to make their mark in this rivalry game. The dogs are 35-point favorites. We're taking them, and the points blow out victory in Atlanta. Clemson versus South Carolina, the Palmetto Bowl. If you're a Gamecocks fan, you're probably thrilled with the way your team has responded to Shane Beamer's leadership. He's impressed me as well. And furthermore, I think this game, if it was played midseason, I might have sided with South Carolina in this one for the win. But alas, the Tigers have found a way to claw, no pun intended, their way back into the top 25 as a possible outside shot as an ACC crown is also looming. Now, for me, this is just another example, and well, an example, I should say, of a talented team with some late-season motivation peaking at the right time, I'm thinking back to Oklahoma last year when they were just the nastiest two-loss team in the country. We could take a look at Clemson in sort of a similar light. I don't think there's a lot of teams out there that want a piece of the Clemson Tigers right now as you're beginning to see the crescendo of the talent on this roster is finally starting to figure some stuff out. I don't foresee South Carolina having much offensive success against this Clemson defensive unit, which I would say is in the ballpark of Georgia's kind of defensive dominance. And we all saw how that went uh, for South Carolina. I'd lean towards the under on this game as well. For South Carolina, I think you're going to see a very spirited effort at home. But without depth to finish the job, Clemson pulls away in the fourth quarter, but we are taking South Carolina to cover the and half point spread. Actually, I'm not going to take that officially. I'm just saying that wouldn't be a bad play if you wanted to lay that. I think it'll be a tight defensive battle. Florida State versus Florida. This is the game that I'd like to label the give-a-shit bowl this year. And who has more shits to give than Florida State? Florida State is going to be locked into this game. The Noles are fighting for their sixth win to go bowling for the first time in a few years. The Gators are also playing for a potential sixth win, but I am seriously questioning how motivated this team is going to be if they find themselves down early. This team has a lot of quit in them, They've been told it's okay by the actions of their now estranged head coach, Dan Mullen. It's completely the opposite for the Knowles, who have had a they have a chance to be the team that brings winning and a winning culture back to Tallahassee. With Gators uh, using uh, the running back coach, who's filling in as the interim head coach for Florida, I'd expect Florida's offensive attack to be a little one-dimensional, and I'd expect the Knowles' defense to have success bottling it up. Florida's defense has shown no interest in showing up consistently. And honestly, I think the Gators are looking forward to their execution at the hands of Florida State to make the pain of 2021 stop. Hard work beats lazy talent in this one. Florida State wins on the road in Gainesville. Oh, boy. The moment you've all been waiting for. The game. It is... Buckeyes, it's Wolverines. It's the game, and we're going to talk about it. Ohio State comes into this one as an eight-and-a-half-point favorite against Harbaugh and what many have called his most complete Michigan team yet, and to be honest, I agree. I believe this Wolverine squad is very stout. They have a great pass rush. They have a great pass rush tandem with uh Aiden Hutchinson and Ejabo off the other e- uh, off the other edge they they play solid on the back end of the defense as well and they're more balanced on offense with their attack this year a little more speed in the passing game and still that uh, that that classic ground and pound Michigan rushing attack is still there and by all rights this team should they should be unbeaten I'm just going to come out and say it. If that game versus Michigan State was played in Ann Arbor instead of East Lansing, I think they are unbeaten. This team has talent, which brings me to a point I've been pushing for a couple of weeks now. Ohio State, for as talented as a team as they are, has struggled with teams that have ballpark talent. What I mean by ballpark talent is a top 25 recruiting class. Oregon has a top 25 recruiting class, and they beat them. Nebraska, surprisingly enough, had a top 25 recruiting class last year and gave them a solid game. Penn State has been a constant fixture in the top 25 recruiting class under James Franklin and gave them another, another spirited contest this year. This Michigan roster, roster wise, is, is somewhere between Oregon and Penn State as the players, uh, you know, it, 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 ha- it has the personnel. It has the personnel to give Ohio State a frustrating day. Now, Ohio State is undoubtedly the most talented team in the Big Ten and the top three team in terms of talent in the country, but they are young, like Oregon, like Alabama, like these elite-level, quote-unquote, talented teams that are struggling this year. It's because of the turnover. The NFL still got a chunk of their roster, right? So, And that lends itself to a tendency to struggle and let teams hang around. I think we're in for a treat in Ann Arbor tomorrow. I'm not taking the Wolverines to win it, but damn it. Damn it if I don't think. if, if If you're one of these Buckeyes by 28 types that I've chatted with this week, I'd say you better get ready to sweat. I think Ohio State is facing an even better pass rush and even better rushing attack than they faced versus Oregon. But the difference is the Buckeyes are also a better team than they were back in September. I like Ohio State to cover their 8.5-point spread, but not by much. I will take the Buckeyes somewhere between 10 and 13 points on the road in Ann Arbor. And if you don't like it, DM me. Don't really care. Let's talk about a quick sprinkle to close the podcast here. We have Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State in Bedlam to determine the king potential of uh, the Big 12 Conference. In this one, it comes down to... When I, when I look at a matchup like this between two teams that, you know, by all intents and purposes look pretty close, you're looking for things to set one apart. When I look at Oklahoma, I don't really see anything in particular that jumps off the screen at me as being an elite, any kind of elite player, no real elite units either. And when I look at Oklahoma State, I do see a very solid Unit, I wouldn't say elite, but I would say undoubtedly the best unit on the field, and that is the Oklahoma State defense. This game is being played in still water. I like that defense to show up and give a very frustrating day to the Oklahoma Sooners in a nasty knockdown, drag out defensive battle between these two teams with an Oklahoma offense that has struggled, an Oklahoma defense that's been slightly better, a very good Oklahoma State. Defense and an Oklahoma State offense that kind of muddles its way through games. So I would lean towards the under on this one, but I'm doing it. I'm I'm going to do it. I know they never win this game, but damn it, this is the year. This is the year of chaos. Oklahoma State takes this contest in bedlam. Cincy versus ECU. Cincinnati is in for a serious fight in this one, as we as we talked about earlier. We like we like ECU to cover as plus 14-point underdogs. I'm telling you, this is going to be a dogfight. They might even pull the upset outright. I'm sorry, I've just had a gut feeling about this for a long time. We will stick with Cincinnati for the win, because I'm not totally insane, but it would not surprise me to see the Pirates make the Bearcats walk the plank in Greenville. Lastly, we'll talk Notre Dame versus Stanford. The Irish are going to smash in Palo Alto and they're going to they're going to cover that 20 point spread against the uh, against the cardinal. Notre Dame is looking to impress. You have to remember they don't play a conference championship game. They're going to need style points in their last game of the year and down the over the last couple of weeks, I'd say 3 4 weeks now, this is the best Notre Dame has looked. They have finally kicked it into gear and realized their potential as well. Sort of like that same kind of feel as we have with Clemson right now. I'm telling you, Clemson, Notre Dame, two teams in the country right now that are peaking at the right time. So give us the Irish and the points against Stanford. Hey, if you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, then please do us a favor and subscribe and follow the podcast. Five-star ratings are also appreciated, or at least tell some of your friends about the podcast. They can catch us on all major podcast platforms. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at any given you is the handle. Get over to our Facebook page and group. I honestly, I think that's probably the most fun we have on social media over there. So get on over to Facebook, search groups, search the any given you group, Come on in, no annoying questions, no filters, none of those restrictions or anything like that. Come on in, it's a good time, come join us. And remember, any given time, any given place, any given topic, you get it here at any given you.